Again, I'll show you that in verse 3, Ephesians 3 and verse 3. How that by revelation he may know unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words. And we've seen the vehicle of that revelation has been through a seed, a human, culminating in the blessed Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man. But as we go to this divine plan now, the tools God uses to reveal it are two main tools to reveal His revelation. One is dispensations. The other is covenants. Covenant is a legal union that brings you into relationship. Tomorrow, Lord willing, we want to talk a lot about covenants and exciting things ahead of us. But the rest of today, we want to look at the tool of dispensations. Uh, we have that brought before us here in verse 2 of Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 and verse 2. So if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to me to you word, the dispensation of the grace of God. On your outline sheet, brothers and sisters, your two-page outline sheet, as we mentioned last night, you'll see the green seed, the headline of each seven divisions. But to the right, you'll see a gray box with blue lettering to the right-hand part of the page. That gray box with the blue lettering are the dispensations of God. Free will, conscience, government, etc. And you'll see them there. The tool of dispensations. And they're on your outline sheet. But then this chart that uh, Malcolm was able to run off last night and this morning uh, is a detailed uh, overview of the dispensations. And so we'll be using this chart, but it's based on uh, those seven dispensations uh, there. Now, the dispensation is a biblical word, okay? The word, as we said last night very briefly, brothers and sisters, does not mean time period. All right? It doesn't mean time period. Uh, it means an administration or it's translated stewardship. Some of you will have administration. Some of you will have a stewardship. Uh, for it means something entrusted to man uh, that's going to govern the way he rules. Some revelation that God has given to man that's going to affect the way he lives. It's something dispensed, uh, given. Look at the language Paul uses here in verse 2, 3, 2. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. So, so God gave him this dispensation of the grace of God. He passed it on to us. Uh, look at verse 8, Ephesians 3 and verse 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Is this grace given? It comes by revelation of God and it's going to be a new revelation that God gives that will affect the way that man lives. Uh, some will translate administration because man is governed by it. Stewardship because man is entrusted with it. Dispense, dispensation because it's dispensed to man. It's given to man. Uh, look at the word again if you go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, verse 10, Ephesians 1 and verse 10. That in the dispensation, some will have administration, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. 
dispensation of the fullness of times. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 25. Colossians 1 and verse 25. He says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Dispensation of God, which is given to me, something dispensed, something given. Now it happens in time, but it doesn't mean time. All right? It happens in time. Uh, there's many things we'll use a word that doesn't mean it, but it happens in time. You, you'll say, I, I'm married. Yeah, you're married. Well, there was a time you were married. But married doesn't mean time, but it tells me the relationship you have. But it happened in time. Dispensation doesn't mean time, but it happened in time. And at one time, point in time, the dispensation of grace was given to Paul. It involves more revelation. It involves a mystery. Uh, look what it goes on to say, verse uh, 26 of Colossians 1. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. And so it's something that's revealed, but it was hid. It's new revelation given to man to be entrusted with, to govern his lifestyle. Show you one more. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians four and verse one. Verse one. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You see that word stewards? Dispensation. Same basic word. The stewards, in other words, we're entrusted with it to keep it, uh, to to value it, to pass it on. That God has given something. And we're to be a steward. A word means a, a household manager dispensation. It'll govern the way we live. I, I said this would be the last one, but let me show you one more. Uh, chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. And uh, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 17. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. You start to see it's something committed to man, entrusted to man. And so when we come to dispensations, what we're going to see, brothers and sisters, dispensations, are, they're not a system of interpretation. They're not, okay? They're a system of observation. We're simply going to observation what God has entrusted to man. Anybody who believes the Bible would have to say, yeah, this is here, it's history. God revealed this to man. God revealed this to man. And it happened at different periods in time. He revealed more. He revealed more. And then mysteries started to be revealed. So dispensations just comes from an observation of reading God's Word. It doesn't come from a systematic interpretation. This means this and this connects to this. Uh, it's not how we get to these. We simply read the Bible. We observe what it says. We observe what He re revealed. If you write it down on a piece of paper, it comes up to this. It's nothing but history now, except for the last part, which is prophecy. It's just looking. This is what God revealed. 
And one of the words to convey that is dispensation, what he's committed, what he's given to man. Uh, so it's not a theology in that sense of a package of belief. It is simply observation of what God has revealed that affects the way man lives. Now, now taking your chart here on dispensations, let's explain it a little bit. You'll see the seven major ones there. You see eternity, past, the eternal councils. We've talked about that. The eternal rest. And how does God get there? One of the tools he uses, he dispenses revelation as, or dispenses a little something at a time. He didn't do it all at once. Down through the thousands of years. Progressive revelation. And so he used the tool of dispensing little by little. And that's known as dispensations. Now if you look at the bottom of your chart, those seven numbers there, you see a black box to the left that says dispensation. You're going to see four elements to a dispensation. What, what defines a dispensation? You'll see these in the Word of God. You're going to see, number one, it's a new responsibility dispensed by God. Something new enters man that man did not have before. The word new, something he did not have in detail before, that God has now let this new responsibility, this new revelation come in. So it's something new, and you'll see different times in history, God gave more. He gave something new. And he dispensed more revelation. That's all it means. And, and that's something new that he dispensed. Well, man's responsible to affect the way he's governed before God. You know, it's meant to affect his lifestyle before God. So it's something new, a new responsibility dispensed by God. That's how every one of them will begin. Look for something new that affects mankind, okay? But you will see, as you look at them and just study the observation, that man will fail, given enough time, and what God has entrusted to man, he will use and abuse and fail. He won't live up to the revelation given to him. Man is sinful. So you'll see man's failure. Expect to see that in every one of them, for you will. After man's failure, when it reaches a certain climax, you will see divine judgment, God's judgment. He will come in and judge man for misusing his revelation. For misusing his revelation. God's judgment. That's a third element. And it just comes by observation. There's no system of interpretation. It's just there. Okay. Then fourthly, you will see listed for you, God's grace to continue. God's grace to continue. And this is big here. God's grace to continue. That takes you to the upper part of the chart. Somehow, in making charts, it's hard sometimes. We have to draw lines like this. And sometimes we think, well, this dispensation ended. I'm going to submit to you a dead end in ceasing to exist. That it continued on with something new added to it. Doesn't end. We're going to see in all seven of them that, that what God dispensed didn't end. <laughs> but something new was added to it, okay? So it's not like a dispensation ends. And that's why we have the upper part of the chart. You see free will, conscience, government, promise. They continue. And they join other ones, okay? It, they just don't disappear. <laughs> uh, so, so God's grace always comes in to continue, but He adds more to reach His fulfilled plan. He adds more to reach His fulfilled plan. Uh, there, there are times that uh, uh, things are added to us, but we cease to go on, don't we? 
or we don't, we don't stop going on. Time in our life that a wife is added to us men sometimes. We don't stop living, do we? Then children are added to us. And there's new things we pick up, but we're still going on. And because we picked up something new doesn't mean that the old has no purpose anymore. So you have children with your wife. You say, bye, honey. No, you don't. Uh, That still continues your marriage. Something is added to it that will give a new dimension to it. That's what you have in dispensation. They don't stop, okay? They might change because of what's added, but they don't stop, okay? What God gave still has a purpose. And, and we hope to develop that today to show you these four elements. Just, we're just observing Scripture. We're, we're not interpreting, really. We're observing. And, and we're looking at these four elements and how they go on to help understand God's heart and the tool He has used to dispense revelation in different periods of time, not all at once. As we already read in Ephesians 3, it was a secret to the past generations. But now it's been revealed to you. Okay? It's a mystery, okay, in that sense. And so uh, it's something that, that is revealed step by step progressively. And it will govern the way people live before God. Now that's the basic meaning of the word dispensation. That's the elements that are in it simply by observing Scripture. Okay, Simply by observing Scripture. And we're going to look at the seven major ones here and, and begin today to look at this vehicle. It's detailed in this chart. They are headlined for you in the outline chart. And you can read in, in all those seven things, different statements we have there, and they will help give understanding on your own. We're not going to study each statement, but uh, we're going to concentrate on this dispensational chart. Any comments, brothers, before we get going? This will consume the rest of our day dispensation. Okay, guess we start with number one, right? <laughs> number one. Notice there at the upper part of your chart, number one, the, the creation of man with choice. Okay. Uh, we, we, we call this one free will. Something man had. Of course, man is new, so everything's new in number one. Okay. Others will give it a different name. But something new that continues. Okay. Something new that continues. And that will be his ability to choose. So let's go to Genesis, uh, if you would, and chapter 1 again. Chapter 1. We'll get into dispensation of God giving man a free will. Entrusting man with a free will. Dispensing a free will. So we call it the dispensation of free will. It's true man was innocent in the very beginning. But he didn't stay innocent. And you'll see the pattern of these dispensations. They just continue. Okay. But, but uh, free will here in Genesis chapter 1. But uh, first of all, we read this before. But looking at verse 26 again. Genesis 1 verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. As we said earlier, brothers and sisters, we uniquely are in the image of God, the likeness of God. Uh, the rest of creation is not. Vegetables aren't. Animals aren't. They don't have the breath of God. Uh, animals and vegeta- animals work on instinct, vegetation, on the seed that's programmed in them, okay? If you're a cherry seed, you're just going to produce cherries. You don't have a choice. Would I like to produce peaches today or apricots? 
You're going to produce cherries. It's, it's built into your vegetation DNA, whatever they call it. Okay? Animals, they don't have choice in the sense of moral choice. Uh, you take a honeybee. doesn't say, you know, I think I'd like to gallop like a horse does. You know? Can't do it. Has the instinct to do what it is meant to do. You and I were created with free will, with choice, because God has choice. Christ had a will, didn't he? Not my will, but thine be done, he could say in Luke twenty-two forty-two. We can say, would I like to fly would I like in an airplane? Would I like to ride a horse? We can make all kinds of choices. But our animals have instinct. Uh, they can't say, well, will I go to this college or that college, you know? Uh, your dog doesn't say, uh, you know, well, he might have his own way of letting you know what he likes. But he doesn't say, I'll have steak today and this tomorrow. He's beholden to you, you know, and uh, whatever you throw from the table. Uh, but we are created with the ability to choose and have choice. Let's look at that here in Genesis chapter 2 because we alone are in the image of God. And we have this will, this choice here. Genesis chapter 2, well known here. But going down uh, to verse 8. Genesis 2 and verse 8. And the Lord God planted in a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put man whom He had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it goes on to say a, 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 a river goes out of the garden and so on, just like a river will go out of the New Jerusalem. But uh, going, if you would, now to verse 15, verse 15 of chapter 2. And the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now watch verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Man was given the ability to freely any tree he liked. He'd go up and pick this fruit, pick that. Thou mayest freely eat. And so there's this freedom that man is given. However, there's a prohibition, there's a stipulation on one tree, and that's verse 17. Verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. And the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. A command not to eat only of one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there's a penalty if he does, the day thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. So that man is created with the ability to say yes or no to God. You believe that? Could man eat of that tree? God never gave him permission. There was no permission to eat of that tree. But did he have the ability to say no to God? Well, he did. <laughs> For he did say no to God and he ate of the tree. Man created with the ability to say no or yes to God. God would have it no other way. Okay. Uh, that what man does has to come from his heart. God wants it from the heart. He doesn't want a robot. So with man alone, he says, you may freely eat. Of the tree of the knowledge, thou mayest not eat thereof. He had the ability to say no, but never the permission to say no. And it's so important that God wants, what He wants is our heart. He doesn't want a robot that just has to do it. I've used this illustration before. Uh, you know, married to my wife here, I could say, I'm the head, honey. You have to obey me. You must kiss me eight times a day. You must do it. Sixth and seventh time, you know, 
What's it going to do for her? You know, she has to do it, you know. But, once, you know, if she kisses me on her own eight times a day, you know, I have no issue. But it means something entirely different when it's not legislated. And, and so what we have here is man has the ability to say no to God. He's created. And he can say yes to God. Uh, and so he has that ability to say no to God. He's created with a free will. Uh, uh, in this uh, section that we're reading here. You'll see that play throughout the Bible. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, and so as we see here, man, the creation of man with choice, uh, something nothing else had. Animals didn't have it. Vegetation didn't have it. Mountains didn't have it. Everything, fish didn't have it. Birds didn't have it. Everything else God created did not have this ability to choose and to say yes or no to God. Now, while he never had permission to disobey God, God created him with the ability to say no to God, and unfortunately, he used that ability to say no for God. So that's how this dispensation begins with man, the ability to freely choose, and yet something's off limits of which he wasn't to eat, but he had the ability to eat and say no to God if he wanted to. Any quick comments on that as we develop this dispensation? Yes, my brother John. Absolutely. They were responsible, and there was consequences. See, God didn't give them permission, but, but they obviously could say no to God because they did. Okay, yeah. And all the other trees were good. For, they could have chose any tree they wanted, yeah. but they weren't to choose that one, but they had the ability to choose it, not up to permission. That's a big distinction, John. It wasn't God's will, so to speak, permission to do it, but he knew they could. I'm going to show that in a couple minutes. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll. Yeah, I'm going to show that in a couple minutes. This is big here. Okay. Uh, this goes on. Okay. The creation of man with a choice, with a will. Okay. Unlike the rest of creation. Image of God. Okay. Man fails. Didn't take very long to man to fail, did it? <laughs> Chapter three here. The introduction of the serpent of Genesis, and he seduces Eve. But we'll just look at verse six here. Verse six. Well, I'll break, I'll, actually, verse 5. Uh, Satan says this to Eve in uh, chapter 3, verse 5. He says, For God doth know that in a day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. It is true, their eyes will be opened, and they would know good and evil. Verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Now the Bible says Eve was deceived. She thought she was progressing. I'll be as gods to know good and evil. She thought she was getting closer to her calling. And she was deceived because of the serpent's twisting of a scripture. But she saw the tree was good for food. And who made it good for food? And who made it pleasant to the eyes? God did. 
All, all the trees were good for food and pleasant to the eyes. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was also, but so were the others. So it wasn't the eyes that made it wrong or the good for food. It was the prohibition of God that made it wrong. You shall not eat thereof. And she left God's word and looked at what she saw and how it would taste. And she thought she was advancing. But then it goes on to say in the end of verse 6, And did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. There's no battle. The Bible says Adam wasn't deceived. He transgressed. He just listened to his wife. There's no battle of him recorded to him. as should I eat? Shouldn't I eat? There's no love of God here. Adam was innocent. He was perfect. He was intelligent. But it never says Adam loved God. When this whole thing is done in God's plan, and you get to the end of the story, God has a race of people that loves God. Hmm? Born again church. Love of God shed abroad in our hearts. It'll never record that Adam loved God. Intelligence, environment, everything else. But the first chance he had to disobey God, his wife hands him the fruit. He eats. An outright transgression, as the Bible calls it. And so death is passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And Adam teaches uh, Romans 5 and verse 12. So we see they chose to disobey. Eve deceived. And Adam, an outright transgression. And so they had the ability to disobey. They had the ability, to, but never the permission to disobey. They could freely eat of every tree they wanted. So we see man's failure under the seduction of Satan. Does divine judgment come in? Well, it does, doesn't it? In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Uh, you know the story. They hid behind the trees and so on. But going to the end of chapter 3 and looking at verse 22. We touched briefly on this last night, but Genesis 3 and verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. The man's like us. And that part's true. He wasn't dependent on God. Before, is this good God or is this bad God? What does evil mean? He was dependent upon God. He now knows good and evil. We'll talk about that later. Okay. In that sense, he became as one of us. And what God didn't want happening is for sinful man to reach and eat of the tree of life. Because now you have a sinner living forever in that state. Disastrous. So here's what God does in verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Guarded by heavenly creatures with flaming sword, uh, they had no entrance to the garden nor to the tree of life. They were separated from God outside the close communion with God. Death always means separation. You'll get that definition here in Genesis. They're driven out. But also, their, their bodies aren't going to last forever. Uh, and they can't eat of the tree of life. A process of physical death begins too. Spiritual death immediately. Physical death begins the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. So we see that divine judgment. Now, as we look at these things, brothers and sisters, this is not an interpretation. This just happened, you know. Uh, they're created in the image of God. You may freely eat. The free will's there. Uh, they chose to disobey. Divine judgment. Uh, but God's grace to continue. The fourth element of dispensations here under number one. Is that the end of the human race? Oh, no. He has a plan. 
an eternal plan. And you look here at chapter 3 again and verse 21. You see, God did something. Verse 21. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. They were in shame now over their knowledge of their nakedness. And the first death is recorded. Animals die. Blood is shed to get skins. They're not clothed with fig leaves. They're clothed with something that had to die. And now they're clothed of their shame. And they will have offspring. And they will continue. They're not obliterated by God. And so God's grace to continue uh, provided them coats of skin. Very simple here in the beginning. But we see they have the ability to choose, and they did choose. But they chose wrongly. Uh, uh, they chose the, the, the death and separation from God, God's judgment, and then a covering for their shame. And, and that is something that happened in the garden and what God uh, uh, provided for man. Now, we are saying, based on Scripture, that what God gives continues. Free will, unlike the rest of creation. As you study the Scriptures, free will hasn't come to an end. Dispensation of free will has not ended. Things have been added to it, but it's not ended. So go to Joshua chapter 24, please. Joshua chapter 24. Maybe a brother could read nice and loud verse 15. Joshua 24 and verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were under the power of the flesh, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. Israel is challenged by Joshua. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I've made my choice. Me and my house will serve the Lord. But you make a choice. God did not want them serving Him without choice. And so man still has choice. The first generation chose to serve God. The second and third didn't, right? And you know the story. And so God does not want robots. that just have to do it. He wants us to do it. He wants our heart. Just like in a marriage covenant relationship, you want the wife by choice, don't you? And so choose you this day whom you will serve. See the same thing in the New Testament? You go to Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1. Paul is speaking here of uh, death and life. And in his case, I guess things could have been arranged and decisions he made in jail and different things like that, whether he lived or died. And you get to verse 22. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 22. He says, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yea, what I shall choose, I what not. For I am at a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. You know, I'm tired of suffering. I want to be with Christ. I guess if he said the right words, it would have happened. But you have a need for me here. And I'm really in a strait what I should do. He said, what I shall choose, I, I, I what not. I'm not sure what I shall choose. And so we see there's a choice involved. Did the Lord Jesus have a choice in the cross? What do you think? 
Garden of Gethsemane, as he contemplated those hours of suffering, not my will, but thine be done. Luke 22:42. That's what God, he, 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 he went by choice, not as a victim with no say in the matter. He went by choice, not my will. He put his will under God, you know, but thine be done. Choice. The Bible ends with our will. Look at Revelation 22. It's never passed away. The great last invitation of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. Revelation 22 and verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Whosoever will. It's right throughout the Bible. The offer of God. He wants us to do certain things. He doesn't want us to do certain things. He doesn't give us permission. But he tells us what he wants. And you have that ability to choose. That's never been lost. It's never been lost. Dispensation number one, it was dispensed, man failed, there was judgment, grace of God to continue, but as you look, that has never disappeared. We'll see new things added to it. You'll never see free will ending. So brothers, any comments before we move to the highlights of dispensation two? Yes, brother, in the back. Turning to the passage to make sure I get the words right. Genesis 3. Uh, three yeah. Two. Yeah. Uh, and then in verse 6, I think you're referring to, right. and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. Right. And he did eat. Y- yes, that's what it says, brother. And that brings us a very, where was his leadership and his headship? He could have said, God told me. You know, this is what God said. He, he just was with her. He didn't try to stop her. He didn't reason with it. No record. No re- he just, she gave it to him. He listened to the woman. Yeah. It, it, it's a sellout of his very calling. Well, I see what you're saying now. What we've always heard is Eve was deceived. Uh, it is true. Uh, and I'm going to show you why it's true because Scripture says so. But, uh, now I'm going by memory here. I could be wrong. Try First Timothy 2. Try First Timothy 2. Adam transgressed, okay? It, just because he was with her doesn't mean he was deceived. It means he didn't do anything about it, okay? Just because he's with her doesn't mean he was deceived. But let's go to First Timothy 2. God builds the whole church order on this of the difference of men and women. When I get there, I'll see if I gave you the right reference. 13 and 14 of 1 Timothy chapter 2. Okay. But I'll connect it with 12, verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Okay, uh, a woman is not to have authority over a man. She's not to teach. She's to be in silence. Now, here's his reason. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. All right? 
Adam got headship by God made him first. He made Eve second. Uh, there was an order in that. Verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Okay. The woman deceived was in the Adam was not deceived. So that makes it even more culpable for Adam. He was with her, but he wasn't deceived. But he never told, he never, <laughs> in other words, like us having the truth, but not opening our mouth about it to people. <laughs> That's why I say it's correct to say that, because Scripture does. But it makes, it makes you wonder more about what was Adam thinking? What was he doing? Yes, brother. Well, there's an interesting thought. He, he believes she would die, so we're going to commit suicide together, and I'll eat with you because I love you. I don't know. I never thought of that. Uh, you know. Or he just desired the same fruit. Or he just desired the same fruit. He didn't want to get in trouble with his wife or whatever it was. There can be all kinds of reasons you know, why you listen to your wife. <laughs> I'm getting myself in trouble here. <laughs> but it was a prohibition here. There's times God has given us a helpmate, and we take wonderful advice from him. But when there's a prohibition, that's a different story. Uh, where's that come, Clyde, brother? He's the, he's the federal head. Yes. Yes, he would have. And she, yes, he would have died. But, but. Yes, there's no argument with that, absolutely. But, but he was with her, but not deceived. And that makes it even, he's more responsible. Yeah, okay. Let, let's, let's go on to our second one. We won't finish it before lunch, but we can get going. Uh, we go to dispensation number two called conscience. Conscience. We'll, we'll see why we get that. Uh, as you see in the upper part of your chart, civilization inherits conscience. That we're agents of moral responsibility. Well, see, something happens after they ate of that fruit. Something they did not have before. And that is the knowledge of good and evil. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Always look for something that they didn't have before. Okay? Genesis chapter 3. We're down to our bottom part of our chart. The new responsibility dispensed by God. What God allowed to happen in this case. You go to Genesis chapter 3. And verse 7 now, the 8. We just talked about that. Genesis 3 and verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. The minute they ate, their eyes were opened to the knowledge of good and evil. Right? They knew they were naked. They were naked before, right? No issue. Go back to chapter 2. And somebody read verse 15. 225, 2.25, some brother, please. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. No, no guilt, no shame. This was a very natural thing. They were both naked. But once they ate of the knowledge, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, here in the presence of God and the serpent, suddenly they felt ashamed for their nakedness. They picked up guilt. They picked up knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. And that guilt drove them to do something. Guilt and shame will drive us to do something. It's a driver. 
And so they wanted to cover up their nakedness. They were ashamed of their nakedness. And so they made fig leaves, best they could think of. Fig leaves wilt and decay. I guess after the fall they would. And uh, anyway, they, God would reject those fig leaves. They ran from God. They, they, the shame drove them from God. Look at verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. You talk about losing reasoning. The great God who made everything, and they think hiding behind a tree, he won't see them. Something's gone wrong, okay? And they're hiding. They don't want to be near God. They understand it's against God now. And in their shame, they run from God. This knowledge of good and evil has not helped them. <laughs> but uh, that, that's what happens here. So they pick this up. God admitted that. We already read that. You look at verse 22 again of chapter 3. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Become as one of us to know good and evil. And so the dispensation starts. And Adam and Eve, mankind now has the ability to know good and evil. He has the knowledge now, which is actually independent of God. Knowing good and evil. What will he do with that knowledge, given enough time? He'll choose the evil, won't he? <laughs> he knows the good, but he won't choose the good. He'll choose the evil. And murder comes in. Multiple wives come in in the story here. But again, going to chapter 6 to look at man's failure. Man's failure. And I read this earlier. Some of these things will overlap here. But Genesis chapter 6 again. When we were on the seed, we read this too. But look at Genesis 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. <laughs> only evil continually. He knows good and evil, but he doesn't like the good he knows. And it, it, he focuses on the evil and rebellion against God. So much for the knowledge of good and evil. You know, what these dispensations teach us, people say, here's the answer for man. You give him a perfect environment. And he'll be okay. Well, God did that. And he chose sin, didn't he? Wasn't the answer. You, you say you give man knowledge. You educate man in knowledge of right and wrong. America was built on that. Harvard and Yale started out. Teach him Christian principles. Teach him right and wrong. That'll make him. He'll choose the evil. <laughs> the, 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 the man's, there's something now internally wrong with man. God's been there where he operates by conscience, as we'll see. The knowledge of good and evil. And man chooses the evil. And so we see the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And then thirdly on conscience here, God's judgment. Well, what happens in Genesis 6 and 7? The flood. You know, God has to destroy it. Again, I'll read here uh, verse 13. Verse 13 of Genesis 6. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He had the great flood of waters that only eight people were saved, Noah and his family. He destroyed them. They were evil continually. It was corrupt. You say, you teach man the knowledge of good and evil. That, that's the answer we need, you know. God says, I've tried it. You know, the plan has to be bigger than that. The plan has to be bigger than that. And so you have God's judgment. But then, fourthly, as you get down here in the dispensation of conscience, you have God's grace to continue. You know, God's grace to continue. He doesn't bring humanity to an end. Uh, look here at uh, chapter seven, uh, chapter 6, please, in verse 8. 
in the middle of all this corruption. Look at verse 8, chapter 6. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> Noah found grace. And Noah and his wife and three sons and their wives, making a total of eight, were saved. And the human race, the woman's seed continued. It's going to get down to eight people because of corruption. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God's grace to continue His eternal plan. Getting down to eight people. And He breaks a way of being saved for them, the ark. And they enter into that ark and so on, as you know here. And uh, looking at chapter 7 and verse 23, there's judgment here, but yet God's grace to continue. Genesis 7 and verse 23, And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. The ark was the vessel of safety, type of Christ. Noah lived in the ark. You lived outside the ark. You died. That's simple. Didn't matter what you were doing outside the ark. Well, I'm going to give some money to the poor, and I'm going to teach swimming lessons to the feeble. <laughs> Didn't matter. Out of the ark, you died. If you're in the ark, you live. Mr. and Mrs. Noah were having a little spat over cleaning the animals or whatever, feeding them. It didn't matter. In the ark they lived. For as an Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. It's what you're in that determines it. Beautiful picture of the gospel here. And, and, and so we see God's judgment, but divine grace to continue. Noah, and the woman's seed continues. Uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, just before we take our lunch break, we want to go to the top of this chart and to show why we call this conscience, because later scriptures will do this, and that man still has a conscience. Conscience did not end. The knowledge of good and evil did not end, okay? Uh, other things will be added to it in these dispensations. Free will didn't end. Conscience won't end. And you'll see it continues here. So go with me, and we'll see how we get this name here to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 here. Paul will be referring to some of these things here. Romans chapter 2. Again, we're just getting here by observing Scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 2. Paul arguing uh, why Gentiles or the pagan nations are under the condemnation of God's wrath and why the Jew is too. And the Jew would tend to boast, well, we have the law and we have this. And he says, well, uh, what about the Gentiles? And he's making an argument here that I'm going to break in here in Romans chapter 2 and verse 13. 2.13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So you know it, but you haven't done it, okay? Now verse 14, verse 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. He says, okay, you have the law, you Jews, but the Gentiles, they didn't have the law. The Ten Commandments weren't given to them. The other statutes weren't given to them. It was given to Israel. But he says, by nature, notice, they do by nature the things contained in the law. You look at pagan societies that aren't Jewish or Christian, and they still have law and order, don't they? They have policemen. They have rules. They have prisons. 
Some of it might be not as finely defined, but they have judgment. They have law and order. They do by nature the things contained in the law. Well, how's that possible if they never had the written law? Okay, here's how it's possible. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Not the law. They don't have the ten the tables of stone like Israel. The work of the law. The work of the law is written, programmed into every person is the work of the law. You know what that work of the law is? The knowledge of good and evil. Huh, that's what it is. By the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.20. That's what the Bible says. So the work of the law is to reveal good and evil. That's what Adam and Eve picked up. And the work of the law was meant to reveal that. And so the work of the law, not the law, but the work of the law uh, is uh, written in their hearts. And it's the reason why Gentiles are responsible for knowing good and evil too, because they have the work of the law in their hearts. Now look what it goes on to say in, in verse 15. That's the knowledge of good and evil. Which show the work of the heart, law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts to mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Their conscience also bearing witness. The proof of the work of the law is your conscience. Does it ever convict you? Does it ever excuse you? The world has a conscience. And the only reason they have a conscience, it's activated by the work of the law, which is the knowledge of good and evil. By the law is the knowledge of sin. And so uh, this knowledge of good and evil has been passed on as known as the work of the law, and it's activated by a conscience. That's why this is called conscience. Something that alerts you when you've done right and wrong. You can sear your conscience. I understand that. You don't start out that way, though. You don't start out that way. And, and so, and therefore, man's responsible. Look at verse 16. It's the judgment of God is based on this. Verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. He'll judge the secrets of men. You say, well, nobody knew it. Well, God did. You either, your conscience either accused you or excused you, and God will judge the secrets of men. Never mind that you didn't have the written Bible. You had a conscience. And the Jews were arresting in the law. God said, you're boasting the law? Gentiles, they didn't have the law, but they got the work of the law. For they do by nature the things in it. So they're not as pagan as you think in that sense, because look, they have law and order too. And the proof of that is the conscience. So that is why this is called conscience, because of Paul's statements here connecting the conscience with the work of the law, the knowledge of good and evil. And conscience is something that never passed away here. It simply continued on. And so that was a brief one here, the dispensation of conscience. Paul will speak of having conscience. He'll speak of respecting one another's conscience with different convictions. Conscience is still a player of what your conscience excuses you and allows you and how you have to respect that in others. It's a whole big part of the teaching to the church. To serve God with a conscience and to serve men with a good conscience. To care about a conscience. And so conscience continues here. Now, we've covered two dispensations. We have two sessions after lunch. We've got a whole lot ahead of us, the next five. But brothers, anything you'd like to say on a brief presentation of the dispensation of conscience. The knowledge of good and evil. Make sense that conscience is a key part today? I didn't take the time to tell you, but as I alluded to, it's a teaching to the church. 
that you want to serve God out of a good conscience, have convictions of what you do, and listen to your conscience. Now, it'll be improved by the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures and all kinds of things, but there's still the conscience, and respect one another's conscience. Okay, is Brother Malcolm here? No. Brother Aaron, what happens next?